This episode of the Devin Kershaw Show is brought to you by Boulder Nordic Sport, purveyors of select cross-country gear. For the finicky athlete looking to round out a ski fleet with hand-selected gems, or a beginner seeking advice on learning how to skate ski, the folks at BNS have years of experience racing, coaching, and providing race service. They obsess so you can focus on getting outside. As they say, BNS employs their experience to break down technical barriers so that you can enjoy the sport, whether that means skiing in the park with your dog or trying to make the U.S. ski team. You can find more at BoulderNordic.com or their brick and mortar stores in Boulder, Colorado and Portland, Maine. This is Jason Albert, and you are listening to The Devin Kershaw Show from Faster Skier. This is our wrap-up. After a three-race series in Fallon, Sweden, Friday saw a historic result when Jesse Diggins won a 10K individual skate against the formidable Teresa Johag of Norway. We'll get Devin's thoughts on that performance, and we'll discuss the mass starts on Saturday and the classic sprint that went down today, Sunday. We do have a lot to discuss, skiing-wise. It's a big meet. It is a big weekend. It was a huge weekend, but the, yeah. and there was actually quite a yeah. There's quite a lot of news to cover. Honestly, I know. I, I was like, I feel in hindsight, I'm like, gosh, I should have called them every day. But here we are. Yeah, it should. It, you know what? But who would have known that it would have been so newsworthy? This is true. Because I thought this was just going to be like a normal World Cup weekend, but with three races instead of instead of two. Oh, gotcha, gotcha. Um, yep. But uh, the storylines were deep. There was a lot. Of, there was a lot of. Uh, was a lot of big, amazing news. Actually, if you're an American ski fan, this weekend was was something to be celebrated, no question. But um, we'll get to that. No, it was a lot of exciting racing. A lot of some controversy. Uh, I feel like every day had its had its storyline. So I'm looking forward to getting through it. Okay. So where do you want to start? I mean, we, 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 yeah. Okay. It was a, <laughs> holy shit. Yeah. It was a three day weekend, which I just assumed, right? Like rolling into Thursday, I'm like, okay, ready for a sprint on Friday, but that was not the case. It was an interval start skate on Friday. Saturday was a mass start classic and a classic sprint today. And maybe it sounds a little anticlimactic to, to start with something almost like the hugest news for the American ski fans um, first. But the women's 10K was such an exciting race. And there's a lot of different storylines for this. For me to see three Americans in the top 10 was huge. I seeing Sadie up there, bat, like right off the plane, no racing. You know, she's she's studying for her CPA exams. like, And she took, that, uh, took a fairly big break from the yeah. World Cup flew right in all the way from Alaska to Sweden and gets herself into the top 10 and her first chance she gets. That's huge. Um, Rosie's been great all year. But uh, of course, the biggest story is, is Jesse Diggins had, in my humble opinion, the best race of her entire career on a championship style course. Yeah, so let's, and I want you to elaborate on that because I think uh, that that definitely was the vibe um, you know, sort of buzzing through text on my side, or I was getting some emails and that literally, you know, a career best performance. And yeah. So, so maybe if you're new to the sport and you've heard of Jesse Diggins, for example, winning a gold medal at the Olympics, you'd think, okay, that's the peak. But why is this such a standout performance? Well, the biggest reason why it's such a standout for performance is her competition 
in this race, all the heavy hitters were there. And Therese Johag, which is a name that even if you're fairly new to following the sport, you've seen her in action this year a little bit. And when she wins, she wins big. <laughs> and uh, just for the people at home to give give some context, the last time she lost a 10K individual start race was in Canada in spring of 2016, in March of 2016. Yes, she had a little doping ban in there too. I mean, that's oh, just that's the right, That's right. So she was out eighteen. She was out eighteen months for some uh, lip cream that she shouldn't have been using. Um, but that said, take that out. Whatever. It's still her first time losing a ten k individual start race in three and a half years of competition. If you want to say it, that is some dominance that we haven't seen that much on the women's side or men's side. You see it every once in a while. Well, you see it with, with Johannes Klebo and classic sprinting. We'll get to that. But um, Marit Bjergen comes to mind. Marit Bjergen is a Norwegian athlete. She retired um, not that long ago. And she she retired as the best. Well, she's won the most Olympic gold medals uh, ever in, in winter sport. And is the, well, it's not even a, a question. I don't know why I even hesitated. She's the best cross-country skier that's ever lived. So aside from Marit Bjergen, right now, actively, Therese Johag is the best female cross-country skier on the circuit. And Falun is also an interesting course in the sense that, you know, especially the individual course where they used Murderbachen, like the whole big hill in the back there, people that followed at home, that's where you saw people really be really struggling to get up to the top of the top of the course they didn't use it in the classic races but they did use it in the skate races on friday and it, it, it's a it's an honest course it's a championship course and that's the other thing that really impressed me with with jesse um jesse's won races you're right she's she's won the olympics in a team sprint um she's won the world championships in a team sprint she's also won a number of world cups she's medaled in the world championships individually in the 10k skate so um maybe here in falun yeah in falun exactly although that yep. was a gift because uh there, there wasn't no yeah it wasn't the same conditions for everybody that said jesse was right in the mix with bad conditions along with with the rest of them um that had bad conditions but uh the norwegian women that was the last time the norwegians had bad skis was that race there <laughs> but uh anyway the fact of the matter is to beat someone like Terezio hug on a course that is so stout like the falun course is for the individual start races puts it at the best yeah the, the best individual performance i've ever seen jesse do her technique was on point she was hop skating the hills like I've never seen her do before. Of course, we've all come to expect and I've talked at great lengths of how great she is descending. And Falun is good for someone that descends well. Um, there's a lot of sketchy corners, to be perfectly honest, at the bottom of fairly fast downhills where you're going 50, 60k an hour. And then at the bottom, you have these these tight corners a lot of the times, uh, which plays to Jesse's favor. But the fact of the matter is Murderbachin, the big hills on the backside of that that. Uh, that 5k that is Terezio Hugs terrain and that's why Terezio Hugs put on real shows in the Falun venue before and for Jesse Diggins to beat her like she did um that 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 is amazing and you know the other thing too I, you and I have talked a little bit about it maybe off air but with the world championships coming up I, I was like you know Jesse's been really strong she but she hasn't had to meet the Norwegians much this year because the Norwegians and the Swedes, they, they chose to sit out some races. And, and we saw in the tour de ski that, um, as good as Ebba Anderson was, she wasn't, she wasn't prepared for the altitude in, in Val Nuster and that cost her 
that cost her tour to ski at least the, to threaten for the win um there because she, she raced horrible uh early in the tour to ski in late december early january sorry so um you know maybe there was some question marks but I was like, yeah, Jesse should come away with an individual medal, one individual medal at the World Championships in Oberstdorf. But after the performance I saw today, oh, not today, sorry, Friday, um, it's allowed to dream of gold. Although you know how pissed Teresa is after that, but still, it's allowed to dream of gold because how she performed in that 10K skate on such a stout course with very fair conditions. It was cold, perfect grooming, dry snow, easy waxing, um, so it's not like the Americans had way better skis than the Norwegians or anything. That was as fair as it gets. And she comes away with the win. This is huge. Yeah. So one of the, one last thing I want you to talk about contextually as an athlete, you know, um, is, you know, Jesse was the 31st starter and Johog was the 57th starter. So, you know, I, I think on paper, we'd like to think, and in reality, we'd like to think that Johog has the benefit of all of Diggins's splits, which were pretty profoundly fast um, throughout this race. You know, I was expecting when I saw Jesse lay down, the, you know, those times, I was like, okay, well, Johog's going to have these splits. Maybe she'll pip her by like five or 10 seconds. Again, this is like before the race has even really started or, or Diggins has finished. And I'm just thinking about the pedigree of Johog and how she just dominates um, how much of that speaks to Jesse's performance? Oh. Uh, the, yeah, I'm just curious about, I guess my question really is as an athlete like Yohog, um, she wasn't able to close that gap knowing the gap the entire time. Yeah. And I think, I think you point out such a great, great observation too, Jason is Teresa did have the benefit of all the information and still couldn't get it done on a championship course and we do have to say it's like one out of a hundred times if you haven't lost a 10k individual start in five or five odd years or just under five years then uh you're you're pretty you're pretty pretty good in the 10k individual start uh so we have to say that but you know what the fact of the matter is she did have all that information she was motivated and if there's one team that has way amazing support out out on the course as far as staff and splits and they have their they have those splits dialed i mean Therese is getting information all over that 5k course and she's not able to close it down and i think the, the thing that really impressed me the most was seeing how diggins was attacking the course especially in the steeper terrain so that in the i call it the backside, but let, let's say from three odd k up or maybe a little further 3.25 up up upwards uh, you you kind of climb from just above the stadium, and then you you climb to the top of this hill, which is called Murderbakken, which just means murder hill in Swedish. Um, and it, it's a it's a grunt, like it's a real grunt, and especially by the end, it really kicks up, and and you can see people coming undone there. And Jesse looked so solid in all terrain on Friday, and yeah, it, it was just it was one of those rare performances you see a true champion throw down every once in a while, and. And yeah, I mean, I'm not Jesse, but from I followed Jesse's career a long time. I raced with Jesse on the World Cup for many, many, many years. And the way she skied, regardless that she beat Therese, although that is the story. I mean, let's be honest. Um, it was a, it was a beautiful performance up and down on the flats everywhere. Jesse was having a great day. And also one funny thing. I mean, we talked to, to Hutchinson about this, which is actually pretty funny. Um, but um I think it's interesting because Teresa Yohug also is a huge proponent of altitude training. 
And it's something that she's used a lot in her career to prepare for big championships and races. This year, she has not done any altitude for the first time, maybe in her career, maybe since she was like okay, a teenager, yep. since her since her late teens, because of the coronavirus. Whereas we have Jesse, who's been in Davos, which is not super high altitude, but regardless, she spent time at altitude, and then they just came from Sizeram, which really is the Norwegians altitude base that that's where they prepare for championships they've done that for decades and that's Teresa's stomping grounds that was my wife's stomping grounds to get ready for for the big events and Jesse's doing that and has the benefit to keep doing this ahead of the the world championships and Teresa doesn't Teresa's coming back to Norway uh sea level I mean this is really interesting to follow I mean the confidence that that Jesse's going to get from a race weekend like this is also something that's it, going to play into it big time and knowing that she can continue her altitude preparations, knowing that the competition isn't doing altitude. I hope Jesse takes that as a little bit of a, a little of some confidence going forward because it seems to be working and it, it's worked for Jesse in the past. So it's something that she has a lot of confidence in. So I think it, that that's a, that's kind of another side storyline with this coronavirus thing that's happening around the world. That'll be interesting to follow along, but beautiful performance by Jesse, beautiful performance by the, the American women, um totally and and here's the other thing yeah, there's actually yeah yeah there's a lot more going on in this when we look at these results but yeah there's on. a lot yeah. there's there is a lot more yeah there is a lot more so you have serena who is uh was was a came out of nowhere to be a phenom here in the world cup this season she was second in ruka russian young russian athlete and she's injured she's out and she's injured right now so we're not seeing her race and we're not sure what her form is going to be when the world championships come around can she get herself back uh in shape and and healthy by then it's hard to know nepreva one of the biggest names in female skiing goes down falls right. breaks her hand so she's getting surgery back in russia she, yeah she's getting surgery and the world championships is coming quickly and regardless if she comes back for the world championships let's say this is not what you you do not want to be breaking your hand this close to the world championship. So you have Serena who's out, you have Neprieva who's out. Stupak is is maintaining a very high level and she had some great races this weekend that we'll get back to. But now Russia's lost two of their of their three best female skiers. And the US has been so amazing all year long this year as we've talked about the 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 coming out of of Rosie Brennan has just been amazing, which continues. She's still all over the top 10. And Sadie back in Hungary and Jesse is in the yellow bib and, and now really stomped down that she's in the yellow bib by beating someone that, that many thought would be unbeatable, at least this year, um, especially in a race like that where there was just no excuses. Um, it, this, is, this is great for the confidence. And I mean, the American women are looking really good to finally take that step onto the podium in the relay. And and if they do that, just think about this for a second. Let's give ourselves a second to dream. Oh yeah, I wasn't even thinking about the relay. Yeah. If if Jesse Diggins can take an individual medal at the World Championships, win a medal in the relay, win the Tour de Ski, and then take home the overall globe, this is a season I don't think any American ski fan could have ever imagined possible so and the fact that we're talking about this i think it's so exciting and i i think again i know we sing the praises of the staff um of the u.s team but also the athletes that, that make this happen like we said mentoring the young athletes that are up and coming um success breeds success and 
the Americans have figured it out and it's really wonderful to see. And it's been so fun to cheer on and follow along. Okay. So we have a lot to cover today. So I'm going to, I want to get to um, Sweden and Canada in this specific race, just a couple. Absolutely. Yeah. A couple of quick comments, you know, Frida Carlson back in 13th. Yeah. She's a minute 18 off the pace. Yeah. She, she fell apart a bit out there and, and she said it herself that uh, she started okay. And then the wheels just kind of fell off. She's still, not back to where she needs to be after her uh, chin-up incident in, in the Tour de Ski. Uh, oh, right. So, <laughs> I mean, I laugh about it because it's just so ridiculous that even happened. But the fact of the matter is, uh, she's not quite back in top form, but you got to think that Frida Carlson will have this figured out by the championship. I thought it was a great race by Eva Anderson. You know, she's only 14 seconds down off Diggins. Uh, that's a great race. I mean, I know Eva Anderson's a name that we see all over the medals. I mean, I think she was her 21st podium on the World Cup or something, and she's a young, she's a young athlete. So this is something that is, uh, she's obviously um, not just the future of, of cross-country skiing. She's she's arrived as a, a big, big name and big star. Sandrine Brown, amazing race. Yes, yeah, Sandrine, but before we get to Canada, one quick thing, because I know she's recover, recovering from COVID, if not recovered. Charlotte Kala, you know, individual start skates are kind of her jam. Yeah. Um, back in 18th, have we seen, I mean, you think she'll be able to pull it together for a race or two <sighs> at World Champs? I think I think the best we can hope for for Charlotte Kala, sadly, is that she can put together the relay performances that we've seen out of Charlotte, Charlotte Kala in the past. I think I, I was so... I was so bullish on Kala after Lati when she was seventh in the skiathlon. And I'm like, man, she's coming into Falun. The the course is perfect. It's cold. It's like absolutely perfect conditions. Kala is going to crush this 10K skate. And she came out a little flat. But you know what? She also hasn't been racing a whole lot, like you said, recovering from COVID-19 that she contracted just before the season started in early November. So maybe she's still just a little up and down. Maybe she's missing some races in her legs. But uh, I agree with you. It was, it, was, it was shocking, actually, to see Charlotte so far back, especially after such a great skiathlon the week before in Lothi. So that, that was surprising. Okay, and lastly, you know, let's definitely sing some praises for Canada. Uh, Sandrine Brown in 23rd, we'll talk about that. And, and not far back in 30, in 36 in this race is Catherine Stewart-Jones, and she'll, her name will come up again later on when we discuss the spring. Oh, yeah. But a big weekend, I think, for Canada. No, it was a great weekend for the Canadian women's program. Absolutely. And I think um, Sandrine also had a lot of struggles early in the season here as a lot of the Canadians did, but maybe Sandrine more than most. And and the fact of the matter is now that she's put together two career races back to back. That's right. Um, th- this is, this, this bodes so well and the confidence is flying high. Again, Sandrine was also looking pretty good technically and um, held a good pace through the whole course. Uh, this is great. I mean, she is skating is her, is her jam. That's what she's strongest in. But it's been really impressive to see the performances she's been able to do back to back. And again, we can't forget, like the Canadian ski fans out there, don't forget that the Canadians have not been able to race. So doing little time trials with your club or with uh, your training center in Mont Saint-Anne or in Canmore or Thunder Bay or whatever, I mean, these are not races, people. This is not the World Cup. And you're competing against people that have been either on the OPA, uh, Norwegian Cup races or Swedish Cup races, Finnish Cup races, that kind of thing, or the World Cup itself. So, you know, of course, you're going to be a little rusty. And I, I think Sandrine just had a, a wonderful, wonderful race. Catherine, in the, in the skate race, maybe she would have been a little disappointed. But the fact of the matter is, Catherine's technique has changed completely. And I am, you know, I don't need to sing the praises too much of of, uh, of her coach either, but uh, because I know him so well. So it's, again, kind of like cheering on the home, home crowd. But 
uh, Eric Broughton, the young Norwegian that is that is manning the or is the head coach of the the Canadian team right now, has done a wonderful job with Catherine. I I actually can't believe it. Like watching the race, especially in classic, like I don't recognize how Catherine's skiing. I've never seen her ski like this, not even close. So the fact that you're able to make changes like that technically in only a year is like pretty inspiring stuff. So while the skate race was you know, 36 is not a bad day. Oh my God, absolutely not uh, to start the weekend. Uh, better things came uh, later for, for Catherine, but it, it is exciting and it's great to see some confidence out of the Canadian women and it's great to see them be supported like that. So it was, it was awesome. Okay, the men's 15K individual, um, was it extremely tight race? Bolshinov uh, beat Kruger, who is also kind of a, you know, has pulled off some amazing classic races. Uh, speaking of which, like in the skiathlon, he's an Olympic champ. Yeah, which but, is the best race ever. If anyone likes cross country skiing, it, yeah, that is the best race anyone has ever done ever in the men's field. There's ah fifty k the fifty k in Falun that Petter Nortug came from like thirty seconds yeah, down and that's won. Fun. That's maybe that's the best. Yeah, but anyway, losing your ski, falling. Yeah. So Bolshinov wins by 1.8 seconds over Kruger. So, so a tight race, but going down the line here, uh, Gus Schumacher for the U S in ninth and Scott Patterson, which at the time when I wrote the story, I forgot, or I just didn't make note of this, but was a career best world cup finish for him in 15th. Um, not to be fanboys here, but yeah, kind of an exciting, no, we're going to be fanboys. Okay. We are going to be fanboys here because what Gus did, I mean, that's no question the best race of Gus's career. I mean, he's only 20, so his career is young. But it's not even close. Like, you can't compare winning World Juniors ain't shit compared to the race he did on Friday. He can't compare it at all. Like, like the way he was skiing, when I saw him at the 6.8K split, just hop skating and nuking up that climb, the, like the very bottom of what being Murderbuck and like the very bottom of that climb, and he was just attacking with everything he had and I was blown away by his aggressiveness and just his determination out there. I thought, and to be in, like just start going through the list and look at the people that are around him. Gus Schumacher, first year senior, ninth in the race of truth where you have to do it on your own individual start. Like, I mean, yeah, I know he had some great races in the tour de ski, but honestly the tour de ski field was weak without the Norwegians there. That's number one. Two, some of those mass start courses were a joke. They're, they're crawling. Like, people are not even attacking whatsoever. So, like, I don't put a whole lot of... It, they're great results. Yeah. Sure. I mean, right. But there's they, some you know, context. Like, yeah. The context for me, who's who's raced a lot and been in the scene for a long time, it's like, whatever. Those are just kind of like bingo uh, in some ways. But that ninth place in Falun, dude, he's one to watch. We, we said that. We've been saying that already. Everyone that knows skiing knows that. But, like, this was a performance... This was a real breakthrough for like for real, you know, his tour de ski performances were also breakthroughs, but nothing like this. This this was uh, this was a beautiful performance in how he was skiing, too. And there's still work to do. That's the other fun thing, because if I want to get into the real nitpicky, I mean, as good as he was, as, as aggressive as he was, as his um, he had great rhythm. But like if you really start digging down into his technique, I mean, like in skating, like there's a lot of hip movement. If you look at like how Bolshinov climbs or how Claybo climbs or how, you know, shoot off the climbs in, in uh, offset, like the uphill technique. And then you look at Gus, like there's a lot of hip movement there for that guy. He can get a lot stronger and a lot more stable. And when he does, it's, it, this is going to be podiums. Like 
in, in these events in skating. Because if he's able to go top 10 with some some small technical deficiencies that he's showing in, in a race that's that good, it's, uh, it's going to be scary. And Scott Patterson, again... I know we sang some praises the week before, which is great. It's great to see Scott. He, you know, he's he's so shy and he's not one to talk, but he's a hardworking, you know, he's a real Bruce Springsteen uh, song, <laughs> like kind of come to life. Like he, he's, he's a really hardworking blue collar skier out there. And in that race as well, if you just look all at all the guys around him, look at how close he was to some pretty huge names of the sport. And after his real breakthrough performances in Pyeongchang, it's been it's been disappointing. What can you say? It's been super disappointing. And to see him come back at the right time like this, that was that was super inspiring to see. Um, I thought it was uh, I thought it was kind of cool. It was it, it was really fun to see. And and Bolshinov, I mean, he was pissed. I mean, God, he was super pissed at what happened in Lati, and he said it himself. And he came down, and when he threw down the times that he was seeing and the way I, he was skiing, I'm like, there's no way he's going to crush this thing. He's going to win this race by so much. This is crazy. And the fact that Kruger and all the Norwegians were able to come back in that, like, that was, uh, what a race. I mean, I can't believe how at the level of, of Kruger and, and Shudofta and those guys to be to be around him because Bolshinov was a man on a mission, skied beautifully, and, I mean, he won, but it wasn't by a whole lot. So uh, there's a lot of guys in the 15K skate that are at a super high level. Okay, well, when I, and this is just like looking at the time differentials, you know, it is 1.8 seconds back to Kruger, but it's, it it balloons a bit in the it, when you think of maybe how the how the men's field can be so tight. Um, twenty three seconds back to Rota, Holland twenty five seconds, uh, and then Yakimushkin in fifth, fifty one seconds. My my question is: Is that an indication necessarily about how dominant Bolshinov is, or? maybe fine-tuning fitness for Norwegians, even though the Norwegians completely dominated the top 10. I mean, that's obviously evident. Um, But do you give a Norwegian a chance of taking Bolshin off? Oh, yeah. In this event, in the the 15K skate, absolutely. I give a lot of Norwegians a chance to take Bolshin off in the 15K skate at World Championships. But that said, Bolshinov's performance was outstanding and how he delivered the race was outstanding. that said, the guys that were two, three, four, uh, Kruger, Rotha, Holland. If you put Admanson, who is eighth, which was a solid race by an under twenty three athlete, um, but but those four guys have been a notch above in all these Norwegian races when they have been haven't been traveling in the fifteen k skate. So these are the guys that are going to be contending for the for the for the for the hardware at the world championships in Oberstdorf and not that long. So Kruger, Rotha, they've been back and forth. They've been within like one, two seconds in a lot of 15K skates this year already um, back home in Norway. So, I mean, uh, there's not going to be that many surprises at the world championships. That said, that said, I think uh, some other standout performances or one more standout performance for me was was obviously Musgrave in sixth. Because, you know, he had to drop out of the tour struggling again. He's been really, I mean, last year was a fucking nightmare. So the fact that he turned it around and he's had some great races this year is awesome to see. But he still is kind of up and down. So to see him in sixth in, in a race like that, uh, that, was a, that was a wonderful performance by Muzzy too. So it was it's pretty cool. And I'm super stoked for the World Championships in this event because I think it is open. At least the Bolshinov versus the Norwegians, it, it is going to be interesting to, to follow along. Absolutely. Okay, so uh, Saturday's racing. God, we're really cranking along here. Twenty six. We we're, we haven't had any digressions yet. It's pretty good for us. Um, 
So <laughs> Saturday's racing, Mass Start Classic, 15K for the men and 10K for the women. The one thing I, I do want you to maybe speak to, because um, it's come up on social media, it's come up just through other folks I've spoken to, is kind of the dangerous nature of the course. And there were lots of crashes. And just to bring this up up front before we get to the results, like Andrew Young was, you know, was brought to the hospital. I think they were fearful that he had a broken femur. He went through some, some when they say boards, literally like an advertising bat, banner that was supported yeah, two by, by two by fours. Yeah. Um, so anyway, lots of spills, just a little bit of commentary on, on, on that. And it also seemed, I, I saw athletes making note that the course layout may have been a little bit confusing. Yeah, I know. Of course, the course layout is always confusing in Falun because there's just so many V-boards all over the place and you're coming back and forth into the stadium and all these kind of half loops. And it, it is a kind of convoluted, it's a convoluted uh, course, no question. Um, but the biggest problem with Falun is, one, it's just straight up dangerous for short mass starts when you don't use the high point of the course. So they're not going all the way to the top of Murderbach in that really steep long hill that we saw in the 15k skate the day before for the men. They're kind of cutting like let's I'll give it two thirds of the way up, but it's probably not even. You know they're maybe going yeah 60 percent or 55 to 60 percent of the the elevation gain that you can, uh, which which means that the 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 races in Falun, if you have 15k mass starts in Falun, they end up being a joke because you can't get away, especially in the men. The guys are too good. And it just becomes this giant pack. And that creates a huge problem in Falun because all the descents are high speed with these wacky corners at the bottom. So you're, you're just nuking, going like over 60K an hour. And then at the bottom, you have these really sharp turns. Not all of them are banked that well either. And then you have these like sea of V-boards all over the place that make it really tight around some of these corners. And when you have a pack which you're not used to seeing, if you have a pack of like 35 dudes nuking down these hills into these sharp, poorly banked corners with V-boards that are making it even tighter, it does become a dangerous event. And and it was ridiculous to see on Saturday the amount of crash. I mean, like Bolshinov went down twice, dude. Like, we'll come back to that. But the guy was a beast. The fact that he, he hit the deck twice and still won is like insane. But the fact that he hit the deck twice is, is ridiculous. And he wasn't alone. I mean, you had like Holund who narrowly missed one, like just plowing into Bolshinov, one of the crashes Bolshinov had. He didn't fall, but he was like way out in the rhubarb and came back in. In the end, he just like he was in a good position with the lap to go. And he just dropped out and said, like, this is stupid world championships is close he's had some shoulder shoulder problems this year also uh which is not good to have in a court in a course in a race like that where there's so many thrills and spills so he just said this is too dangerous this is stupid i'm out andrew young goes through the barriers at like 50k an hour and plows through like you said like go back and watch that like you know how strong a two by four is and, and young just goes like right through that thing and and the fact that he and volness too just like gets he didn't go through thank god but like just gets new like pinballed off that falling there's broken poles everywhere it's it just Falun you got to make a harder course if you're going to have a 15k classic and quite frankly Fis, you shouldn't have 15k classics on courses like that it has to be hard enough that you can get some distance and break people because if you're going to have this giant pack in a course that's poorly laid out for that style of event 
then these are the kind of problems that can happen. And it was really sad to see Young. And again, now, now Young's in a, a similar situation, as we mentioned, Nepriev or, or Sorina and stuff, like having some injuries that can he get back just to make the start line at World Championships? Probably, but that's not where his heart is. You know, he, he's been top 10 in, in 10K skate, uh, 15K skates individual before, and there's other events for him as well at the World Championships that he was earmarking, and now it's just like going to be a, a win to get to the start line, which is which is stupid. So, uh, Falun, shame on you, Fist, shame on you, and the fact it was dangerous, and to see people injured like that, it's it's unnecessary, and they have to do something about this. They, they cannot run. 15k mass starts on that course anymore well so is this something that had you sort of really drilled down on it you know prior to the race i mean like okay what what course are they what's the course layout in falun okay it's a mass start race with a lot of strong guys you know 15k um so so not 30k or 50k to like break the thing apart right so it's 15k as you say like on a fairly moderate course is this something that you would have easy course Okay, it's an easy course. course, but would you have been like, there's going to be some carnage on this? Oh, yeah. I've been that athlete. I've been that athlete so, multiple times in that exact event on so that what's exact the course, rationale? and we always talk about it. It's like, this is so sketchy. Well, what would be it's the rationale like, if you're the you're the event organizer? Is it a function of you know camera angles, or what is it? I think it's inertia. Honestly, I think it's inertia. They've had this race multiple times on that exact course. Athletes have always complained that it's stupid. But now I've never seen it with minus 15 and tracks like that, like bulletproof conditions. Cause usually when I'm racing that course, it's like kind of sucky or like slow or clister conditions at least. And, you know, minus 15 in, in Falun is that's something we haven't seen very much here. Uh, and, and that just adds to the, the mayhem. Um, but yeah, no athletes have complained about this course. We've complained about this course for years. Uh, especially the 15k classic being being a, a major problem because they're not using the full meat of the course, so it's way too easy. And and like I said, the corners design the corners are designed so poorly. I mean, you're coming into these corners with such high speed, and then it's almost like at right angles. It's so weird. And then it's it's okay to have tight corners at 60 odd k an hour, 60, 65, 70. That's fine. That's no problem. But then you have to bank them properly, and you have to make them wide, and you have to make them with enough space. But as you said, what becomes confusing is you're coming in and out of the stadium so much that they have this, this sea of V-boards. So that so they make these corners all way too tight. But they have to because you have an outgoing track and an ingoing track kind of running parallel to one another, and it just makes for a disaster. And that's what we saw. And and I mean, um, yeah, like I said, it it shouldn't be like that on the World Cup, and it shouldn't be like that with such a storied venue like Falun. But that said, this this course that we've seen. These courses were designed for the World Championships in 2015. So while everyone's saying, you know, you hear it's like, Falun's been having World Cups since the dawn of time. Like they have, yes, but they haven't had them on these particular courses since the dawn of time. Uh, the old courses also had problems. The bridges were way too narrow and we have like, I wish I could find the video, but there's one where Brian Gregg just gets like, just chopped by uh on a bridge like where you're just standing still and Theodore Pedersen, the Swede, comes in and just like jumps up and just too, like literally jumps up and with both his grip zones smacks like takes out brian Gregg at the knees it's the best video i've ever seen it's so crazy so, so there was problems with the old style courses too but the fact of the matter is falun shame on you you can do better you have the terrain make a better course if you're going to have such stupid races like a 15k classic mass start on that on on a course that's that easy 
That said, yeah, that's tip my hat to Bolshinov. Yeah, he, he, dude. He wins. He wins and he goes at the absolute perfect time to not even make it a sprint with Klebo. Klebo almost came back with Paul, but it was too little too late. And Bolshinov hit the deck twice. So that makes his back-to-back win that much more special. But like real oh. crashes. I thought Bolshinov was oh, yeah. out. I was like, that oh, dude's dude. out. Done. Oh yeah, especially the one, especially the one uh, coming around where you're kind of like parallel to the stadium, like what I've been talking about, like kind of the the, the bottom of the murder yeah, climb. Speed. If you were going to do it, oh crazy speed, man! He went down at like over 50k an hour, and it was brutal. And and the fact of the matter is, he gets back up. And that was his second crash. Comes back, some wins, amazing stuff. Claybo yeah, had no yeah, no incidents, yeah. no race incidents whatsoever. Uh, he stayed out of trouble. I mean, he essentially did his own three workout. Uh, Claybo and just waiting for the finale and that's what you kind of have to do especially if you're good because the pace was not fast like the the 15k classic pace was was easy it was just carnage people were like stressed out to the nines because of all the crashes and all these crazy corners but it was not a hard event uh the the pace was dead slow okay well um, then but because I'm trying to wrap my brain around the bullshit off thing and and again like I just thought okay he's out he's done and then all of a sudden it's like I don't know if it was on the next long climb, but there's a climb, and I think he's coming up the side out of the track. Double pulling, yeah. Oh, yeah. And That's coming up from the stadium. Yeah, but and the I pace was, like, was just so slow. Okay, got it. And, but All not right. just that. And you know what? The fact of the, the reason why the pace is slow with the big guns is because they know they can't get away. The hills are too short, they're too flat, and it's too easy. And you have all these wacky corners. So, like, you're not going to get away in the men's field. There's too many good classic skiers. And people kind of resort to the fact that, like, well, this is just going to come into the last lap. And in the last lap, some people try and from the bottom a little bit. But even them, it's they're kind of half-hearted tries because they know they're not really going to get away. And, and it turns out to a shootout. And that, that makes Bolshinov's performance all the more impressive. Uh, another standout performance, though, I want to say, because this is this comes back for what, is, what I saw today. But Ustyagov, you know, he was 12th in the in the 15k skate and seventh, just under six seconds down off Bolshinov. Ustyagov has been out forever with coronavirus and really struggled. And this weekend was a real comeback party for him. And again, since I talk about it all the time, you know, Jens Berman in 10th, that's great to see. And Pora, my 11th. I love these young guns. I love these guys born yeah, in 2000. Yeah, the Swedes are kind of showing up in Sweden a little bit. Yeah. For sure. And it, it's really fun to see the young guns performing well. So Porama, like I'm bullish on Porama, as you guys know, that listen to this podcast. It's uh, It's been fun to follow him along. And, and 11th is a great race in such a carnage-filled disaster of uh, event. So, And then the women's side, uh, the big news there, just jumping right through it since we have to get to the sprint too. But like, You think so, huh? Teresa tried, man. Teresa Yohug tried. She tried to get away. Oh, yeah, early. Early she tried. And it didn't work. She couldn't get the gap. She'd have like three, four seconds over the tops of the hills, like up the hill, but the hills are too short and they just swallow her up. Therese is not exactly the heaviest skier ever and she's not the best descender you've ever seen uh, in the women's field either. And and they just kept swallowing her up. And then it was kind of weird that you just see, saw her almost like resort to the fact, well, like, well, what am I going to do? And she kind of sat in for a bit. You're not used to seeing Therese sit in ever. But I feel for it because, I mean, you're trying your best and it's not working. And then what do you do? At the end of the day, you're like, okay, I'm going to go all in for the last lap up the hill. But the hill's too short. It's too flat. And again, she got like three seconds. They swallowed her up. And if Lynn Svon's there, we talked about that during the Tour de Ski when she won uh, the mass start there too. Amazing. There. Yeah. It's over. Yeah. I, did her you just say double pulling? In double yeah, pulling. Yeah. So I want to talk about that when we get to the sprint. 
Yeah, okay. her double pull technique yep. for women is amazing. Yeah, it's the best. It's the best women's double pull technique you've ever seen. Yeah, it's amazing. Um, and you know, you're gonna bring her to the line. You're gonna get. You're gonna get just chomped. Um, so Teresa, I actually thought she had a quite a good sprint. If you want to be totally honest with you, I thought it was that she held on for third was impressive because like Teresa is what five foot one and. 105 pounds or something like that. She's not exactly built for speed there. And uh, for her to hang on to the podium is Stupak. We know how good Stupak is in classic sprints. So there's no surprise that when she comes to the line in that in that position as well. And I thought a great race by Diggins too to come in seventh. I mean, Diggins is obviously in, in great form. And I mean, um, this might get a bit of hate mail, but I mean, Diggins wasn't classicking that well. I mean, I, I, she's been classicking well uh, this year. This was not one of those races that she looked good climbing. I mean, if you go back and you watch the races and you want to see Teresa, uh, Linz Vaughn, even, um, even uh, Eva Anderson, who took a crash late in the race uh, on the climbing sections, and you see Diggins in comparison. Like, Diggins just wasn't, cla- like, she wasn't diagonal striding at the level that we've seen her already this year. And she wasn't bad, but she, there's, you know, to be seventh in what I thought was a, hubbub or like okay technical technical race for her um that was impressive she's, she's in great shape i mean geez she out sprints heidi wang that's impressive in classic no matter what and uh if you're tied if you're seventh in a classic race it is a great race for diggins but diggins is in great shape she's got the yellow bib man she's gonna win it the overall world cup way, so get the champagne yeah. on ice i mean there's no one's gonna come back and, yeah no one's gonna come back and touch her no so it was great great race by her okay and maybe we should just jump to uh, just and we'll just go yeah. Before we jump, before oh, yeah, we yeah, jump yeah. though, before KSJ. we jump, I'm going to do the biggest shout out. KSJ, Catherine Stewart Jones, seventeenth yeah. career best. I'm I'm almost lost for words. I mean, this was a beautiful performance by Catherine. It's a sketchy course, like we said. There's a lot of things happening. There's a lot of bodies around. You got to stay on your feet. You got to stay in good position of course the women doesn't turn into this giant pack that the men is because it does break up into small packs but she was skiing with some big names in classic sadie bjornson krista parmakowski and ksj this is and and anishir stikalvo too in 19th stad lober these are these are big names that she's skiing around and Catherine has a career best performance again it's only her second race weekend of the season uh she follows up her 24th place in in lati with a 17th year it was and again, like how she's skiing in classic, like I said, I've never seen her ski like that before. Technically, um, there's a lot of there's a lot of uh, good tailwinds in the the women's program in Canada right now, and it's needed because it's been it's been a desert for a while. So it's it's really cool to see Catherine have uh, yeah, have I such a great race. I spoke to her. Gosh, it feels like in in well, like 20 years ago, but I know it was last probably uh, April. She was not originally. I think I have this right. She was not originally named to the Canadian national team or renamed. Is that no, right? she wasn't. Yeah, she was not. And she renamed. had to appeal. She did appeal. Uh, yeah. Yep, and won that appeal and is on the national team, which is a good problem Sandrine to have too. now because Sandrine and as Sandrine. well. Yeah, and and uh, both of them have been been having some great races this year. And like I said, for Catherine to be on the national team and getting help from from. Uh, from Eric Brelton has made a huge difference and no, it's not the coach. It's always the athlete that has to make it happen. A coach is just standing on the side of the course, yelling like an idiot. It's the skier that has to make it happen. Uh, when, when, when the gun goes off, but it is really cool to see the changes she's made technically. And like I said, I just haven't seen that many athletes make such big technical changes in such a short time. Uh, you know, it does happen. I have an envelope sitting. It's actually, 
I think it might be a tax return or envelope or something, but I have KSJ written on the back of the envelope sitting up against my computer so that I reach out to her this week to get the full story on the technique work situation. I'm yeah, excited. you should. You should because it's it's yeah. You should because it's it is something that is very noticeable. And and seventeenth, this is a great performance. So, really, really fun to follow along in like the the hometown the hometown uh, cheering squad that I am. Even though I'm here in Lillehammer, is uh, it's it's fun to have something to cheer for. So, uh, really, really impressive stuff. Okay, so let's get today classic sprint. Uh, and I thought, frankly, in both the women's and the men's races, were were fun to watch. Um, super fun yeah good entertainment on, on a sunday morning um beautiful skiing it seemed like the course was quote fair but yeah where do you want to go on this one women's or men's first yeah we can start with the women we can start with the women's um and and with the women's i mean it, it it's an interesting it was an interesting race there was two i mean sweden that's the story <laughs> i mean we've talked about at length ad nauseum people are like we're gonna have hate mail flooding no, in never but how much i sing i sing the praises of of the of the swedish women in sprinting but i mean geez that was that was a display they were on point today skiing amazing on their home course lynn svon takes the win of course again again like what do you expect if you're gonna bring her to the line like that i mean she's won so many races this year and she's only a second year senior but cool story for me Hagstrom, Johanna Hagstrom, I remember seeing her come second at the World Juniors last year. And first year senior wins the prologue, makes it all the way to the final and just ran out of steam in the end there and finishes fourth. But for a first year senior with not that many cracks at the big show, this was impressive. So amazing stuff by her. Lynn Svon winning in quite the style, also impressive. But before we and and Jesse Diggins too. I mean, can we talk about Jesse Diggins? She finishes eighth with eighth, which is awesome for a classic sprint. But her quarterfinal for people oh, that want to yeah. know talk about how this. to do things. If if people want to know how to uh, tactically and having a cool head and how to ski with confidence, Jesse Diggins is like in fifth, dude, late in that race. But she knows she knows the draft's huge. She knows nobody corners better than than her in that in that quarterfinal. Not even close. She takes a couple more digs than anyone else. Gets into lower tuck than everybody else. Gets into this slipstream and bang right back up into it. And then her last 150 meter kick was just un. It was awesome to see. She was really on point with her double pulling uh, today. And Diggins, that's how you do it. That's how you do it when you're wearing the yellow bibs. That was an impressive quarterfinal. And the fact that she got all the way uh, into the top 10 and finished eighth. Another great race by Diggs. But the story of it for me for the women is Lynn Svon should she have been disqualified? That's the question for me. Because come in her quarterfinal, coming into the finishing straight, she had an open lane because she was leading. And instead, she chooses to jump onto the t- ski tips of Lotta Unesvang, wrecking Lotta's race. She's done. Nothing happens. Like, like there's, just, there's no response. And like, you see it in slow-mo again. You're like, this is at least a yellow card it probably should be relegated to last in your heat. If you're being totally honest, like do I need to go you can't watch do this that again. I, I covered in. Yeah. Go watch okay. that. Go watch that. Go watch her quarterfinal. Go watch Lynn Svon's quarterfinal and what she does to lot the, in this van in the last, the, like in the finishing stretch. And dude, that was sketchy and no one fell or anything, but she like totally impeded. Like it was obstruction, no question obstruction um, and destroyed lot this race. And, you know, there's a lot of noise around that, and I see why. Because you're like, 
man, oh man, you weren't cleared. You didn't clear tips. And quite frankly, why are you even jumping in on that lane anyways? Like you don't really need to. Um, so that was a bit spicy. But at the end of the day, Lynn's Fawn was not to be contended with and not to be touched. Another really fun story in the women's sprint. Like you said, it's been, it is really exciting. I'm getting stoked about it. Um, but Lampage, yeah. dude, how awesome is it? Lampage skis so beautifully in classic and Slovenia, small country, great history though, you know, with Petra Majdek and uh, Katja Visnar and, and, and yeah, I mean, there's a lot of, and of course, like Vesna Fabjan and stuff like they they have a lot of rich history on the women's side it, with the big show, but Lampage dude, second place today. Oh, I'm, I'm just, I really hope she can get a medal at the world championship. It's going to be tough with all those Swedes up there though, uh, in the classic sprint, but Lampage puts together another great day to, to secure his second place. And, and some Ling, of course we, we could go on all day about the Swedes, but yeah, at Lins Vaughn. Yeah. I want to I don't know if she should have got out of that quarterfinal. I don't know if she should have got out of that quarterfinal. I don't know. I'm, uh, I'm, I'm on the fence on that. I, it was, it was, it was not good. I know it's not quite like Las Vegas or New Jersey boxing, right? I'm not going to equate fist to that, at least when it comes to like what's happening on the ground in Sweden, maybe what's on the ground in Switzerland sometimes with policymaking. But anyway, I digress. Uh, and I'm going to try not to digress. I mean, there's got to be you know, some pressure being felt by race officials about you know television audience and what people want to see. And it's the home course in Sweden. And they want to see you know, Lynn Svahn do her thing. I mean, I'm, I'm not trying to say it's justified. I know, and I, it's hard not to think like that. No, I know, but it's hard not to. It's not. It's hard not to go there in your mind after seeing that again, because you're just like, really, guys. Like, if that was a Canadian doing that, like, man, there's no. Do you way. have a Do you have a second? You know, and you don't want to believe that. Do you have a second here? Yeah. Okay, like, I want to check get it this out. On go the, check on it out. Audio. It's crazy. So let me let me check this out. It's no. not crazy. It's but not, here's it's not something. Crazy. As I'm I mean, loading I mean, this up, it, but it, she shouldn't have jumped. She shouldn't have jumped. She should not have jumped in on Lotta in this van. There's no reason to do that. It, it was a bit spicy. Her quarterfinal, Lin Svan's quarterfinal, the last 30 seconds okay, of it. hold on. While we're going here, here's the thing. I want you to, like, we can talk to all the young people out there, our massive listeners. And we do have some, we have listeners, dude, as you know, because we're getting... I know, I've gotten get so much hate mail from Russian listeners, oh, like, after I called out yeah. Bolshinov's, like... Like, I mean, I've never had that before. And this is Nordic skiing. Did you feel threatened? I'm serious. Did you? A little bit. Yeah, I did. Yeah, I did. Okay. I'm sorry. Some pretty disgusting, like, no, no, dude, it's my, I mean, it was like, there was some, like, I don't mind being called out. I actually love being called out because that's fun. Um, but it was, yeah, I don't know. I, I, I'm just not sure you would have seen the same reaction from like Swedish ski fans or Norwegian ski fans or Canadian oh, ski fans Canadian. or if they had. If they, if they would have seen, oh, we're too nice. Of course, we're too nice. We don't follow skiing, I guess, is the big problem. Okay, but yeah. um, yeah. Keep on talking. I'm watching. No, but it, it was... Uh, but yeah, she didn't... No, exactly. Here's my, footy, my... But what I'm saying is, like, this young Norwegian woman didn't, like, maybe swing her poles. No, no, she did not. But she was pissed. <laughs> she was super pissed at the end. Or takes Vaughn out. <laughs> no, 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 no. Or not even go up and, like, like chew her out or anything. Um, but there's a lot less testosterone in a women's quarterfinal than there is in the end of a relay in the men's, <laughs> the men's relay. Uh, That's true. Okay, here we go. Dude, I'm loving this. You know, it's so nice. I'm watching. Oh, it. yeah, it's, it's like beautiful. sunshiny oh, yeah, it's in beautiful Sweden. It's a beautiful day in Sweden. It's been a, yeah. The light. They oh, yeah. killed it with the, the sunshine did its work. It was like sunset gold. Oh, it was gorgeous. It was gorgeous in Scandinavia today. I mean, here in Lillehammer too. 
it's been a whole week of birthdays for my my two kids so I'm, I'm, uh, uh, there she is she's striding up that hill again she's uh, such a crusher oh yeah she is yeah, now she's over the like the, the like the little tunnel, and then yeah, she's gonna drop down into the okay, right. Okay, yeah, she's dropping down into here. the right hander, and now we're gonna you're about to see it. Yep, she's in the lead. Okay. Then why are you t- cutting into the right? <laughs> That's my question. Okay, here's what I'm gonna say. Okay, dude. Do you think she yeah, was just? Was, uh, and I am not a spawn apologist. Okay. I think she's great. No, no, I, nice. I don't think I don't think she was doing that on purpose necessarily to take out Lotta. She's not scared to uh, anybody, but it was a bad move. It was a stupid move. I would be curious to know if she even saw her on the periphery. No, it doesn't matter if you see her on the periphery. When you move in and you feel like you're all over someone's tips, you knew you did something. She's wrong. right on those tips, dude. Oh yeah, that was not and 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 needlessly. She didn't need to do it. It was completely mm. meaningless. Mm. So there's a lot of noise around that, and I see why there is noise. She should have at least got a verbal warning. She probably should have got a yellow card if you're if you really want to know what I she, or relegated. I do. Well, we yeah. See, I'm I'm gonna watch this the last time I'm watching. So yeah, it was a yeah. Bit, uh, okay, yeah, it's it's at All least right. it's at least a yellow card, I think. But anyway, she got out scot free, and she's the best sprinter in the world for women, and she is exciting. And Ola Raval, her coach, in uh, is uh, a master with technique. Okay, so I want to talk about that. And and you look at Bjorn Lind, all the sprinters. He was the sprint team coach in their heyday for Sweden. And, I mean, you just look like Peter Larsen, um, Bjorn Lind, Tobias Fredriksson. I mean, they were really at a high level back then. Mats Fredriksson, like, sorry, Mats Larsen, sorry. Not Matthias Fredriksson. He wasn't on the the sprint team, of course. But... um, but uh, no, man, he's a he's a master with technique, and Linz Vaughn is skiing absolutely beautifully, skiing yeah, best double pulling technique in, for women in the World Cup right now, and uh, it was on full display today. It seemed like collectively, and and again, I, I should go back and really like take notes on this. This is, this was sort of like uh, some subtext for me as I'm watching that down that final straight. Each and every one of those Swedish skiers, although obviously, you know, they were, they, their closeout was amazing. Oh, they're awesome. Yeah. They got great technique. They're strong. Oh yeah. It's crazy. And their technique's great. I mean, they're super strong, high hips, good yeah, angles, and great to watch. they're in a class by themselves. So it's, it's really fun to see. The Swedish women are just, they're, it's they're great to see. And it's fun to see people like Hagstrom too coming in first year senior and being able to ski like that. It's, it's uh, the women's sprint was fun. But the men's sprint was also fun. Okay, the men's sprint. Yeah, it was definitely not a honor. Yeah. And uh, I'll go for it. A lot of different nations yeah. competing. And yeah, Claybo wins it in the end. Um, that maybe not be that uh, that surprising to, to, to people at home. But the way, you know, he only qualified third. And in the final, he was on point. He was probably going to win. But in the final, Eric Valnes, the young Norwegian who's also born in 1996, so he's 24 as well, came off that corner, that uh, the last corner coming into the last 150 meters to the line. He falls on his own accord, just just misses, puts his pole between his legs or slips on some ice and get, takes himself out, which is really sad to see because I was really looking forward to that shootout. That would have been really fun because Volnes was right there uh, to be able to challenge Clay. He, they were going to both undress Oscar Svensson, of course, as great as Oscar Svensson was today. Uh, the, he... The, Volnes and Claybo are in a different planet in the last 150 meters. Um, but Volnes takes himself out. Svensson 
uh, secures an, another podium for Sweden. It's awesome to see. He's had a great year with classic sprinting. So it'd be really cool to see how he can do at the world championships. He'll take a lot of confidence. You have a uh, tugboat in third, which is really cool for him. He, that punched a ticket. I'm pretty sure for the world championships for him, that's a hard, that's hard to get in. It's been a real fight for the, for the five spots in, in sprinting. And then people listening going like five spots. It's like, yeah, in the world championships, the reigning world champion has a free spot and Norway won every single individual race at the world championships in 2019, Claybo winning in Seefeld. So it's Claybo and four others. So it's been a tight, tight, uh, tight fight to try and get those spots. And Togbo had a great day to, to finish on the podium. The story for me in the final, man, Ustigov. Did you see Ustigov? Did you see Ustigov semifinal? I was just about to say, like, I thought it was like charging off the front and held it. Yeah, man. Oh yeah, dude. Yeah, yeah. Oh yeah. yeah, and his semifinal was awesome stuff. Like I, but but I mean a bit maybe like, but you know I see I I get him I get Ustigov. He's fe- obviously feeling great today. It's been a horrendous run up for him with COVID and then racing like Eastern Cups and like just like it's been tough, right? And he's finally feeling like a boss. He qualifies fourth, and in his semifinal, like what a feats of strength! Like he was he was just beast moding, and in the final. Tried yeah, the similar kind happening. of tactic, especially early, and he looked so good and he was hard charging. But it just the the competition in the final was just a little too stiff and he couldn't get he couldn't get the the gap he needed to hold it off. But dude, the guy's fourth in a classic sprint after the lead up he's had this year. It should give Russian fans some something to cheer about because Bolshinov, obviously best gear in the world. But Ustigov, if he skis like this, I mean, in the team sprint. Bolshinov, Ustigov, that's going to be quite the combo. And honestly, if he can ski like this in in in, in Oberstorf in any event, he's someone that is going to be threatening for medals or, or a win. I mean, like this this was maybe not in the classic sprint because Klebo and Valnes are the best classic sprinters in the world, uh, no question. But th- this was a, this was a huge race for Ustigov today, and and Shavana, uh, Shanava too, Shanava in the final in classic, yeah, in classic, dude. How about in classic? That's that's impressive. And then I'm going to let you talk about our uh, our American that qualified 11th. Schoonmaker, in his qualification, this is a really high level. To qualify 11th that close to the lead, this was for a guy who's a first-year senior. This, is, this was a beautiful race for him in the qualification. In the quarterfinals, he just needs more experience. You know, he gets pushed around a bit. He, 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 he finds himself in uh, like a little bit of a bad situations here and there tactically but that'll come with experience and i mean you should be allowed when you're born in the year 2000 you're allowed to to make small tactical mistakes that that you get burned with every once in a while and and i think he's going to take a lot of confidence into the world championships and in oberstorf in the classic sprint there it was awesome awesome competition and you know i love singing his praises because you know how much i'm a fan of uh those world junior teams from from the u.s but my boy Jaeger, dude, thirty second. I think this is his first uh, World Cup start. But he had Mario Lemieux's number, you know, bid sixty six, and deep, deep in the field. And what a oh man, my heart broke for him. I'm like, come on, man, like, come on, Jaeger, get in there. Um, but the future's bright for a lot of those young, a lot of those young athletes out of the U.S. So it was fun to see. And of course, like Kevin Bolger, that's a heartbreaker, man, finishing. 31st in sprint is, is just the biggest gut punch you can get and and logan too in 33rd so um there's some depth to the american teams they just were had a little bit they were a little unlucky here um in the qualification okay thanks for your time um thank you jason it. yeah we'll we'll touch base next weekend 
Thanks for listening. And if you have any questions for Devin, you can send them to jason at fasterskeeter.com and devin at fasterskeeter.com. Thank you.